everyone. Welcome to Systems at Debug. We are your hosts, Megan Brodkey, Megan SS. Hi, everybody. And I'm Nate Pepper. May the S Force be with you. How are you folks doing? Is that like an Ewok dance? It is an Ewok dance. I actually just found an Ewok versus Jar Jar Binks Marie Kondo meme yesterday. Thank you. <laughs> I Ewoks. I think I hit a soft spot on some Jar Jar, uh, Team Jar Jar people in my okay. <laughs> circle of friends, uh, but that's okay, so that's okay. I don't think there is anything called Team Jar Jar, to tell you the <laughs> truth. Um, but there is something called Team Underscore, which Meg is a part of. <laughs> Remember the right this, this one brings joy. Field, no underscores in API name. <laughs> field names have freaking underscores. I'm sorry, dude, they do. If you are calling your name, like opportunity for partners, it should say opportunity underscore for underscore partners. Not opportunity for partners all smushy smushy smushed. Yeah. That does reduce the need to capitalize Breach. the F in the API label, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that would be dramatic. Anyways, well, today. Anyway. Yeah, what up? What, what makes today different than all other days, Megan? Well, it's a Monday. That happens every week. But there's something about today in the show. Oh, we got a guest. Hello. How's it Whoa. going, guys? Hey, what up, <laughs> Hey there. You are. <laughs> Need to move my hand slower. Otherwise, like the background is gonna to be too too wishy-washy. <laughs> oh look that I'm the only one without a fake background. Welcome, Johannes. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me. It's great being here. It is so great to have you here. Happy Monday. <laughs> Monday. Happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy that for a dollar. I would say happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. My time is all logged today. <laughs> you know Monday. what? My time is half logged today. I'm going for two perfect weeks of time logging. Mr. Jim Ray would be so proud of me. So we Dale. Pop staff. Uh, two perfect weeks. We're doing it. We're doing it, which means I am getting my time in every day instead of like one piled in day. <laughs> We're doing it. Perfect week number two. Here so we Megan, go. Why don't you why don't you why don't you introduce um you know, a little for us and kind of like maybe where you guys met and uh, yeah and uh, so, a little bit of maybe hand it off to him. Yeah, let me let me tell you a little bit about uh, my good friend Johannes here. So I was chilling and hanging out on the air. Vancouver youth group and I started chatting it up and chatting it up and I was stuck to, uh, stuck to Alex and all of a sudden Johannes and I became BFF <laughs> so Johannes is working on this cool project that has to do with vlogging and it's a really sweet open source project so first we started talking about the logger then we started talking about open source then we started talking about system.debug Yes, so we started talking about these upcoming presentations that he has coming and oh my gosh next thing i knew we're like we were chatting up like crazy on the twitters yeah, uh, yeah. dude like good. we were fast friends 
Yeah. Yeah. Alex, Alex made the introduction, like big shout out on, at this point. And then we just took it from there, basically. And then you also presented at the Calgary User Group, which was a lot of fun. That was awesome. That was a fun one. Yeah. Props to Jordan there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we just continued the conversation. Then we just uh, also shared some some joy around like community deployments recently and had some fun with that. Yeah. Shared Summer 20. Our experiences. I, I jinxed. I jinxed your project. <laughs> you, you did no such thing. No such. It would have happened either way. I do not blame you in any way, shape, or form. So why don't you give us a little bit of a background about who you are um, and what you are currently doing? Yeah, happy to. So um, born and raised in Germany. Like in case someone picks up the accent. Um, and uh, but been living in Canada in beautiful Alberta um, for the last 15 plus years. Um, and live here with my beautiful wife and daughter um, and, and basically started out my professional career here as well. Um, did did the, the standard ComSci type of degree back in Germany, came over here and started as a software developer um, for a company that was working in a contact center space. And uh, so we were developing CTI adapters or software applications that, that agents are using in order to handle phone calls, emails, and all those real-time uh, interactions in, in contact centers. And uh, integration in that environment is a really big part of, of the development that you're doing um, because obviously it's great to have like the phone controls, but ultimately agents do work with other applications. And so eventually we were looking into finding Kika's um, demo scenarios and, and demo integrations. And Salesforce was obviously a prime candidate at the time because of its cloud platform. And, uh, and, and even like now we're on Lightning, but that was uh, in 2007, eight, when, when the classic, um, classic interface was there just around the time when the console interface came out, the classic console. And, uh, and obviously that was already pretty slick in, in comparison to what was out on the market. So it was, a, it was an excellent um, opportunity to kind of like do a little demo and prototype something out. And I started like developing against the Salesforce APIs and kind of like the application. So eventually like continued with the CTI development side there um, and then was, was fortunate enough to be uh, allowed the opportunity to also work on some app exchange packages and, and dive really into the force.com platform. Um, that was, that was kind of like how I really landed in the ecosystem. And then, uh, yeah, what, what happened then? Like I worked on, on some ISV apps like for a while um, took a, a little bit of a break uh, from Salesforce for a couple of years to explore some other cloud technologies. And then eventually, but I never really like, I always kept the interest and, and stayed up to date. And then uh, opportunity came up to go back into a consulting role at that time. And so for the last, how many years is it now? Close to five years, I've been doing consulting on the Salesforce side and having a lot of fun with that. Very cool. So, Nate, you want to dig into a bit about his um, past experience? Yeah, so I'm curious to give us a, 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 a timeline. When did you move over from Germany? And then when, like year-wise, and then when was the first year you, you like logged into Salesforce, essentially? 
if you remember. Uh, so I think the the two stages to me moving over. I kind of came here first on, uh, on on as part of my degree for an internship in two thousand and five is when I first touched ground in Calgary, and then uh, but permanently living here since two thousand and seven, and I think. Uh, I started like touching touching the ecosystem in 2008, um, later in the year. I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it exactly, but I, I, it was around 2008, 2009, early 2009. And you were looking into contact center stuff then, right? It's not yeah. like you were just oh, yeah. making custom fields and yeah. No, no, that oh, was so you've, you've made a... integration. It's all about. Um, fancy real-time screen pops, orchestration, um, API integration yes. a lot. So like we, we, we customized um, a lot out of the classic Salesforce console Java script API. I don't know if anyone remembers that thing or ever worked with it um, because it's, it's, it wasn't used very much. I, I, awesome. Well, that's great to see because uh, <laughs> I didn't hear of a lot of people that, yeah. that actually used the uh, the, the console JavaScript APIs to, to uh, customize functionality out of it. And I had a lot of fun developing with that in the OpenCDI toolkit when it came out. So oh my uh, God, getting sub tab ideas just gives me, <laughs> sorry, go Meg. Oh yeah, get sub tab ID, oh yes. I know. <laughs> so one thing I know that both you and I have been working with a bit is the experience bundle API. Um, for those of you that don't know what the Experience Bundle API is, so with a community, you can deploy it two different ways. You can deploy with the network, the custom site, and the site.com, or you can deploy with your network, your custom site, and the Experience Bundle. The Experience Bundle needs to be turned on in your community settings. Once enabled, you're then able to deploy. It has to be out of both your target and your source. Um, just went GA back in spring. Tell us about your experience. How is it going for you? Tell us about some pros and cons. What's up? Well, yeah, it's it's been. Uh, I, I like this. So first of all, I like the Experience Bundle API. Um, I think from a from a um, version control management side of things, it's been really great to like totally. identify the, the the smaller changes in the community instead of like having a big blob um, where you really don't know what changed. And especially when you consider. Um, version management as part of like a, a, a trace or an audit of, of the changes so that go into your environment. That's really quick if you want to pause. For those of you that don't know, that site.com file was a binary file. You couldn't see anything in it. Your experience bundle actually lets you know what components are being used within your community, what the property settings are for them, what the branding is within your community. Yeah. When it comes to source control, it's like a gold mine for yeah. actual source for your community. And that was actually deploying versus yeah. what is in the file, two different things. <laughs> um, not everything in the file actually deploys and sets those settings um, as a but, heads so up. On, on that note, uh, Johannes, what's been your yeah. experience since you've, you're, you, you, you came from a software development background yeah. um, out of college and you were no stranger to version control probably when you walked out of college, right? Um, yeah, yeah. What sure. has been your experience with using version control as a backup versus version control as a build tool 
right? I mean, was that was that essentially a, a, a backup in the beginning? Did it get, get a while until you got to? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Well, who's ever saying version controls a backup, dude? Who's saying your source isn't your truth? I've worked at a couple of shops that you know they, they do that almost as an as a code audit trail and a way to search through things, et cetera, right? Which is can kind of be right. what experience bundle is when it's problematic to deploy, uh, right? Uh, it's still beneficial. We were just talking yeah. about oh. this before the call. <laughs> go for it, you go for it, dude, you go for it. So like, no, I've, I've used version control always for deployments, like NCI tools, especially as part of ISV. Um, it's, it's an essential essential element of development process all the way through. And, and, and just because um, of my like more traditional Salesforce develop like a traditional development background, um, I've been I've been using it in projects in the same fashion wherever I can. And and it's it's kind of really getting established as kind of as a as a standard in the industry, which is great to see. And obviously the latest tool set, um, Salesforce DX, the CLI. Are, are amazing support um, because they take a lot of the work away from it. Still, still a lot yeah, of work absolutely. though. I have to say, like it's even even uh, just doing it with the scratch orgs and and all the fun pieces side of things. I mean, um, and orchestrating uh, some of those deployment components is it getting those details right. It takes it takes a lot of time to get set up, but once it works, it's beautiful. Is your source your truth? Yeah, for sure. Like, I got a it, question since we're it, it, with with an asterisk attached to it. Um, I think as as you work through different environments, um, depending on, on on the tools that you have available, um, and and the kind of solution that is built for customers, you you should never be. I'm, I'm not hardcore and say it has to be the source of truth for everything. It should be, but um, exceptions are also just confirming the rule, and they are just applied like sometimes a little bit more frequently than you want to, but you know, you got, you it just happens. Gotta, yeah, exactly. But yeah, big fan, big fan, like also new stuff here. DevOps Center is going to be amazing. Um, that's a very that good DevOps Center key. looks so cool. Yeah. So uh, cool. I can't wait. To, I want to play with it. I downloaded like everything I could of the Salesforce stuff in my VS Code. And then I just made like some time. I've actually like a a month or so ago, I downloaded VS Code Insiders, which is the nightly sort of like the alpha or beta build, um, because uh, machine sync, like setting sync, is available there and not GA yet for VS Code. And was it one day my MacBook Pro just kind of, you know, took a dive, and I had to take the MacBook Air back from my daughter, and uh, I went, "Oh, where are all my like plugins and my settings and the indent, all my J, all my uh, VS Code snippets, right?" But uh, so the fact that that is in at least uh, the alpha, you know, the alpha build uh, is hope that they're going to have that in VS workspaces sooner than later, you know, when, when all that rolls out. That looks amazing. Yeah. That's you awesome. know what? You know what I want to try? This new change tracking in sandboxes. Yes. 100% agree. That actually makes me more excited than the DevOps Center, to be honest. Um, and it's just too bad that it's not out until probably winter when, when they're GA it. It's in a beta. Yeah. You can beta it or pilot, one of the two. I, I thought it was a off. pilot or it was a beta. I would have to check. One of the two. One of the two. So yeah. I know somebody that's got it turned on. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, 
I have so many questions. So many questions. And I have a feeling chain track and sandboxes. What's that, Bob? Tell us more. Well, by God, <laughs> let I, me I, tell I you, Sandy. Yeah, so over here in the Michigan area, which you can see on the frontal coast. Um, so what's going on is you can actually have your sandbox track your meta changes, not like a set up audit trail, but like source tracking changes. Just, yeah, just imagine like you, the same like scratch works, you make modifications, especially through declarative tools and uh, you don't have to guess anymore what changed or do a full blown massive entire org data, like metadata download, and then hope just that Git is going to able to process um, the, the changes from the files. Because uh, most often it works, but there's always moments when Git then just kind of like always shows you a diff that is the entire oh. file instead of the other. You, and you, the, you mean if I push something? Than an XML <laughs> file diff. Like, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, you changed the pick list Good. value. Your object's different. Like everything from a compact layout to a validation rule to every single field. Oh, did you change this one pick list value? <laughs> is, is, is that does that mean that um we're going to be able to see like if we do something that's not a change set we're actually going to see what files were changed in a deploy instead of just 71 like 71 what what went like did this file get right that's the problem without change sets is you can't see you can't see the source but then you also can't even see what components were touched right i think that's mind-blowing wow. that um you can't see that in the org but that'll help you resolve that issue, right? With sandboxes. You're audio centric, but your I'm video is so far behind, Nathan. Uh, but I'm, I'm on palm tree time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's gonna track all your changes, your declarative and code changes. And, and I think the key part around it is going to like uh, track profile changes, especially yeah. the implicit one ones like add a, add a new glass and those tiny little snippets. I don't right. know times, but you miss them and then have oh. to kind of remember. <laughs> so that's what I like about gear set is gear set just reminds me, don't forget to add these. Yeah. Like, Let's, props to gear set, fantabulous tool. Totally awesome uh, deployment option. That's a context <laughs> when I've also seen people use um, repositories as backup tools. Like if they're using gear set, they're using gear sets for the deployment and then like deploy to repository just for backup purposes. If you're not pulling your deployment out of your repo to deploy to all your higher orgs, you are just causing yourself a headache in the future. You, you can't deploy. So I'm all about, I'll validate out of my org before I deploy to the repo. There's nothing worse than deploying to the repo 16 times while you have to validate because you validate after. I'll validate, deploy to the repo, deploy to the org from the repo. Because uh, it's just easier that way to validate first. Validate. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone does it that way. <laughs> um, otherwise, if you're not, dude, I don't know how many times you must be like deploying before you validate, but save yourself the trouble. Um, but anyway. Yeah, so just so much easier that way. But if you're not pulling it out of that repo, if that repo is where you go from to go to production or to go to like UAC or to go to integration, I bet you you just caused yourself a lot of changes or a lot of headaches that you didn't have to have. 
Just pull from yeah. source. Like, source. So, it's, it's Johannes, logical. since we're talking about the uh, de deploy, deploy successes and, and pains, um, why don't you pick, so in SFDX specific, right? No like ant history or, or change sets. SFDX, what's one uh, sticky point, I guess, right? For you when deploying with SFDX and not developing, right? Deploying um, mm -hmm. with SFDX for communities and then one that's like not community specific, just kind of in general, I guess, like one pain point on each side of the fence. So the one thing about, um, so the, the deployment of SFDX, like I haven't done on the community side yet too much more, like I uh, used it more for my internal projects. Um, for, for the community ones, I, I'm still mostly based for uh, legacy reasons used the uh, Anvil script. Um, but like what, what I like in SFDX is the new command that was just recently added around publishing the communities now from the command line, which is amazing. Yes. Um, saves another big step, manual step that you need to manage from a from an overall deployment perspective, especially when you go to broad. And I don't know, like how many times I just started. Why is this not here? I just made this change. Why does it? Oh, right, I gotta publish. <laughs> um, happened way too often. On the on the regular side of things, like I mean, uh, are besides the standard tracking of the changes, which is obviously like a key piece. And I like also the modified um, metadata format that they have there. It's, it's definitely cleaner, um, especially when it comes around objects. Um, but the one thing I started like playing with recently and, and, and really um, slowly get the hang of it is uh, the unlock package um, creation and management around it. And, and that actually is a lot of fun. And as I'm getting more used to it, I, I really see the potential um, of, of like orchestrating your orgs in the future a lot more through packages than it is through full-blown metadata deployments, which is which has some really interesting aspects, especially around version and dependency management for larger organizations. Tell me more. Come yeah, to the 2GP side. <laughs> what do you want to, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I am um, talking about open source projects, right? Um, I've led the library that, that I wrote over the last few months to do primarily logging and a little bit of some, some other stuff such as like feature switches and, uh, and trigger frameworks. It, that is all currently distributed via an unlock package. And, um, and especially like, uh, the, the Salesforce CLI allows you to completely orchestrate all of that. So I talking, taking my earlier comment, like it takes a little bit time to get all the nitty little little bits sorted out. But when you um, when you go in and uh, and, and have like a, a real build script going, um, it's it can you can fully automate like your entire delivery process. And uh, and that's 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 a lot of fun. Like yeah, it, I have a, one build script command, and then the script runs me through like, okay, what version number do I want to create? It creates the package, it deploys it, it um, publishes it, then installs it afterwards into Scratch Org and runs a final validation on the whole thing. And I just sit there and watch it all. <laughs> Cool. Wow, oh. even publishes in beta, installs it in a new test org to yeah. see the install with, with data enough to see what you're working with, right? It, it, exactly. 
Exactly. Yeah. At least run, run, like make sure that the packaging process didn't break anything and uh, and look then at like are the units tests at the very least the unit tests still passing and then obviously you can expand on it as well and, and add more tests. And like the CLI has so many tools like with the individual commands that to support that. That's really like a fantastic support um, that speeds up things a lot. So tell us more about the, the open source projects that you have going on right now. Yeah, so um, I, I've been obviously like in, around in the Salesforce ecosystem for quite a while and always have been doing a lot of work with JavaScript. Um, in the earlier days, like when we're talking about uh, Visual Force pages in the, in the classic console and now obviously Aura and Lightning. And um, as, as the coming from a, from a background as well of single page, like more modern JavaScript applications. There's a lot of business logic that's sitting in JavaScript these days and more and more so on the, on the Salesforce side as well, where organizations build like components, applications, et cetera, that have very little Apex code and, and more and more um, pure JavaScript modules or, or components. So the problem that it brings is that if anything goes wrong, which, you know, and you do software development and implementations, you know, stuff happens once in a while, like every new moon, um, a bug occurs and, and then you need to debug it. And the problem with the JavaScript side is like you're running blind. Um, it, in Apex, you have like the debug logs that you can enable, it gives you great level of details. But um, even there, like you have to like enable them first before you get details. And on the JavaScript side, you have the console of the browser. So you need to actually go into someone's environment um, like screen share and then uh, ask them to kind of like open up a developer console and do that with regular users. That's always um, a very, very entertaining journey for, for both parties involved. Um, and so what, what happens is that like I was looking for, for a, a set of tools that, that we um, developed like way in the past back in my earlier days um, for, for one of our software applications that was also heavily browser-based and JavaScript-based to do ongoing recording of log statements. And then in case it detects that there's an issue, like an error log statement is, is being logged, to publish that and make that accessible in, in the log files. And, and that's exactly what I've done for Salesforce. So um, you if you're using the logging framework, you just, you know, Lock in JavaScript the way how you would do it in Apex, either like when you used to system.debug in uh, pun intended, um, in, in, Apex. Right. <laughs> uh, in Apex, like it's kind of like the same concept that you have your lock statements that you put into your JavaScript code. And if there's an error, like it will send out a request to the server um, with not just one like statement saying like, oh my God, I just caught an error, but with a stack of log statements that were recorded before. And then so you see like the history of um, maybe up to a hundred log statements that tell you what exactly was happening in the browser at the time when the user like uh, experienced the issue. And not that you have to turn this on, it's running all the time. It's like active monitoring 24 seven and then only reports in error scenarios. And then okay. that eventually ends up in like a tiny little dashboard tool that comes with the, with the application or with the repo um, where you can get live streams and events showing up of any kind of failure events and then you can start investigating. Nice, and we're gonna have that link in the description. So 
for people can check it out. That sounds awesome. like a, a next episode. <laughs> yeah, dude, right? Is, is that, you know what, I, I, I'm going to, yeah, I, it's funny, I, I'm, I'm uh, teaching my daughter uh, screen editing, and we just found a feature, or I did, I was paying attention, uh, just found a feature uh, where you can, like, constantly loop, like, you can record X amount of minutes, so, like, record three minutes, and then when you hit three minutes, delete what you had recorded and start again. Because like when you're trying to uh, film an intermittent failure, right? And you're like, well, <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm just gonna put this on. Is, okay. is that what that's like? Like it'll it'll throw away things if it doesn't run into an error or no? When it hits an error, it logs it and saves it's like an S object, it, it, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, wow. it's like happy path, like who cares, right? I don't need to know what my 500 users are doing. Um, if everyone is happy and stuff works as designed, but I get a phone yeah. call or an email if things doesn't work and then people watching over my shoulder. And, um, yeah. and, and the, the thing is, the thing is that um, it, it the, the whole purpose of it is like not to run blind and get the visibility because that's how you instill trust into your users as well. Not only that you deliver functionality, but you're able to support it. And that has been, um, more challenging in the past and, and this library hopefully should make it easier. Works the same way on the Apex side too. So you have the Apex logs running ongoingly and it just reports in the same location. So you don't have to go in and like turn on debug logs anymore after someone reports an issue. Um, you may even already know depending on what notifications you set up like that the issue occurred before the user even sends a ticket. Okay, that's way cool. It's it's uh, it's a it's a very techy topic. Um, it's one that I find extremely valuable. And um, and the sad part is it's always a hard sell from a business and budget and priority perspective. Um, reality is though that I, I, based on my experience, I think a tool like this can easily get your ROI for the initial investment on getting it set or maintaining it ongoingly in the sense of like writing log statements, etc. Wow. In in no time. Like it's like we're talking here, low number of weeks or month, and you should be in the green from the time savings that you have that your team doesn't have to like go through um, elaborate processes anymore. To, to Especially with client side things yeah. that aren't necessarily surfaced in unit tests that it's hard to reach without actual, you know, not even power users, right? You're just, you're tapping Bingo. into any user that if, if it's there. Wow. Well, so to kind of, yeah. Yeah. Wrap down from that um, Adult Swim moment. Uh, Dude, and that's entirely like episode worthy, man. Like in and of itself. Total episode, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Like, which is related to some other things that could be a whole episodes, like um, uh, you know, Apex, like logging, just like Apex logging, right? Like having an yeah. S object yeah. that does that sort of thing. I mean, I think it should almost be something that you flip on, but um, I'm sure somebody, you know has a package out there if you pay them enough for it. <laughs> so uh, two closing, uh, closing question to kind of zoom out and lighten it up before we uh, start closing up. A um, Jeopardy question? Uh, no, Likert scale questions. On a oh, scale okay. of one to 10, um, one being the phone book and 10 being your favorite concert t-shirt, how much do you miss visual force remoting? <laughs> so how much do i miss it um like i don't i don't miss it 
at all because it was a source of, uh, of um, a little bit of grief, especially from an ISV package perspective when you develop in a, in a non-namespace org and then eventually deploy to a namespace. Um, so there were some challenges around that in the past. I did like, I mean, the concept itself, loved it. I used it all the time. Any Visual Force page, like not any, but most Visual Force pages that, that I wrote even back in the days used uh, um, remoting over, over the standard Visual Force actions in order to communicate with the server because it was just more lightweight. Um, I felt more comfortable with it, I guess, <laughs> that's that too. Had to, deal less, had to deal less with order of operations on VF functions um, yeah. like by, by doing async, right? Yeah. So like when it came out, I guess, when it came out, how much, how much was it like, oh my God, it was, you know, one to 10, scale of one to 10, one being, eh, 10 being like, oh my God, this is better than uh, dot sort. Oh, for which one? Sorry, like. Uh, the VF, VF remoting, like, because you oh, remember when VF that came out. remoting came out? Yeah. yeah, no, that was exciting. It was there when I started. So it must've maybe it came to like before, just so like, I, I didn't learn Salesforce without it. Um, so that was kind of like my initial steps, but I can imagine that it was a big step forward when, when uh and when you were bound to the to the command action buttons and all those sorts of things right and then on a scale of one to ten how much do you miss the left sidebar <laughs> everybody misses the left sidebar <laughs> or what's the most interesting thing you've done with the left sidebar <laughs> with the, for the left sidebar in classic like that would be the cti integration because um it, it nice. like we needed to create it in a way that um like it wouldn't constantly refresh because that was a very processing heavy intense um uh effort and and very bad for the user experience because you're on a call with a customer um while the voice channel wouldn't be interrupted your phone controls would be interrupted with every page refresh in the classic interface so what we came up with is using the the cti um uh, placeholder there as a as a bridge that had actually no user interface um, available to it, and then popped out a new soft phone window, like, and then created a communication process um, between those two windows via JavaScript and and events, um, window events, in order to get the open CTI calls dispatched and the invocations done, and, and figure that part out. So that was super exciting, actually. That was fun development. I'm a geek, so I, <laughs> oh. I, I couldn't I couldn't get a five five nine CTI working in 2010, but I did get a Rickroll going on the left side. <laughs> That's about as fancy as I got. So don't miss it, don't miss it. But I it wasn't all bad. <laughs> My I, I think Johannes has a scrolling Megan rocks. That's all mine has. <laughs> with with blinking <laughs> blinking GIF with CSS, right? No, it's just yeah, it's a scrolling. <laughs> Like it's a, like how they have at the gas station and it changes colors and text. Maybe that's how Kitty's wear benches, like Megan pictures in there. <laughs> it was like the first dev thing I did. There was, it was in like the Visual Force book. So I just may or may not have taken some liberties with the text. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, so everybody. Johannes, um, is there any any shouts out you want to give uh, to like your local your local groups or any uh, events you know, you know the virtual events yeah, you know going happy, on, etc. Happy to yeah. first of all again big shout out to Alex like for connecting us and and like definitely helping me being a big supporter also in the journey here with the with the R flip library. 
Um, and then, yeah, Jordan, I guess, the uh, Calgary community leader. So that's great. It's a, uh, I heavily appreciate the job that, that he's doing as well. And then, yeah, just uh, thank you guys for all the work that you guys, that you're doing as well. Like, I mean, from a podcast perspective, it's a lot of work. Oh, what about uh, that wife and daughter? They gave you time to be on the podcast <laughs> with your vacation. Yeah. They, they are super supportive. There is no question about it. Like, like my wife um, obviously uh, supports my, my extra hours. There's been on top of a demanding job to, to let me play with certain things. And um, I'm supporting her project as well. I'm IT person in the household and developer for her website. So that's all good. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. And the little one doesn't get to see the evening hours too much. She's in bed usually when I do the, the actual work, but has to sometimes give up on the weekends as well. So that's great. Oh, so you, you aren't spending like 20 plus hours on screen time management at this age, at, at, at the kid's age? No, I have an eight-year-old, so um, it's, it's still pretty well-maintained and, and she loves the outdoors. So she kind of migrates to that automatically. She has opportunities to play outside. She often does it. Nice. Uh, nice. Makes me happy. <laughs> good. Lucky. Awesome. Good. Yay. Well, Megs, any announcements? Uh, stuff coming up? Virtual thingamabobs? Yeah. Um, so look for a community cloud specialist announcement. So if anybody's a community cloud person, please contact me. Um, other announcements. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, Events are going virtual. Yeah. Um, I do have a road to CTA sharing my experience on the certification exams, failure, passing, um, preparation, the 22nd um, this week. Um, register, join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, that's all I've got going on. What about you, Nate? NA8. Um... There will be code. There will be lots of code. It may lots not always code. deploy. Um, yeah, I've just been total heads down. I, although in uh, the last, like over the last two weeks, our our team and and internal kind of like the our team, but also just the internal like across the board have really started nailing down packaging and two GP and SFDX so that like you just spin it up and. So I, I don't know what events are going on, but um, yeah, so yeah, really May, many events. <laughs> I know, um, but uh, we are gonna. I what was it this week? I'm go, I'm are you attending the user group thingamabob this week? Um, there's a user group leader meeting, so yeah, we went on certifications. Yeah, I mean now that yeah. uh, no, no one's really leaving their property most days. Um, yeah, gonna try to re kind of reboot the LA developer group um, and help coordinate that with the other Southern California groups to just start getting people nice. to, you know, get off the beach, go home, log in and zoom it up with us. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah, a new Seattle Women in Tech event coming soon, virtual happy hour. And major props to the latest Meredith Community Cloud class. Way to go, y'all. Uh, congratulations on getting through that class. And if anyone needs help studying for your certification, please do let me know. Y'all did fabulous work and congratulations. It's great work. Everybody did great efforts. So thank you all for your participation and being amazing. Yeah. And thank you to Kate and Hector for all the hard work that you do with Meravis. 
who are amazing people, as is everyone else that has volunteered as a coach, that's volunteered as an instructor, and that is just a member of the staff. You're amazing people. Thank you all for your time. Thank you all for your energy. Thank you. Yeah. That's and it. Thank you, Johannes, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having Got it. Put two hands in the air day because seems to be oh. one of those days. Oh. It's, you got to test the Zoom background. Magic. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe and like and follow me on Twitter, Megan SF. That's M E I G H A N S F. And then you have Nathan. S Force be with you. S-F-O-R-C-E-B-E-W-I-T-H-Y-O-U. And don't forget the infamous. <laughs> and don't forget our other host, the infamous RJ, and then our originals, um, Life with Ryan. And then there is also um, US Brian24. And then Johannes, what's your Twitter? It's J underscore H underscore Fisher. Follow. It'll be awesome. And then we'll get your GitHub up there. We'll get any of your other contact information. We'll get you all sorts of new followers to BFS. It'll be fantastic. Yes, right. that would be great. Peace out, Until then, folks, don't forget to console.log and system.debug. Cheers, guys.